podcasting from Costa Rica, the land of Porta Vida. This is the 82 Degree Quest Show. We're a weekly podcast where we talk to expats and others about their life in Costa Rica. And now, here's your host, Dan and Cindy Gaskell. Welcome to the 82 Degree Quest podcast show. We want to thank you, the listeners, because as of this taping here in early October, we've been listened to in 12 countries so far. We're rated number eight in the travel category of new and noteworthy in iTunes, and we want to say thank you so much. We appreciate your continued support and ask that you subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and a few words on review. Our guest today is Nadine Hayes-Pisani. Nadine Hayes-Pisani is the author of the Happier Than a Billionaire series. The third book, Happier Than a Billionaire, The Escape Manual, has just been released and is the how-to on moving to Costa Rica. Nadine is originally from Linden, New Jersey, a town known for its Exxon refinery. Despite the high levels of benzene fumes and the occasional toxic spills, Nadine had a wonderful childhood and has no apparent side effects from the pollution. She eventually became a chiropractor, as did her husband, took out $100,000 in student loans, only to later realize that she would much rather swing in a hammock than spend 12 hours a day in an office. She's currently working on a reality show, Building Up an Appetite. You can find her on her YouTube channel, youtube.com slash happierwithless. And so today we want to say welcome, Nadine, and thank you for being on the show. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm really excited to talk to you guys because I want to know a little bit on how your experience of Costa Rica is going as well. Fantastic. Well, we'll try and answer a few questions, and if we don't know the answers, we'll make it up. (laughs) (laughs) So what we want to do is, first of all, ask you the big question here. Why are you happier than a billionaire? That's a loaded question. I know I'm happier than a millionaire. (laughs) So I crossed that off. I'm pretty sure I'm happier than a billionaire, although I've been getting emails from actual billionaires that are telling me they're happy. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, that's pretty funny. But when we came up with the title, you know, we just, it was so great coming off the rat race and decompressing. And we literally were just so, so happy and, and we we're joking around. We're happier than this. We're happier than that. And Millionaire just didn't seem to be enough. So <laughs> my husband blurred out, we're happier than billionaires. And with that, this name kind of stuck. And we really do feel like we've come to a point in our lives where we really narrow down exactly where we want to be, what we want to do, and what makes us the happiest. Well, you know, when we were in the States uh, before we moved here, we were a little less happier than a thousandaire. So that's that's where <laughs> we're at. <laughs> but we are progressing. We're we're closing in on uh, moving up to a millionaire. Hopefully we'll get up to your status at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you would just give us a little bit of background on you personally, where you're from. We, we learned that you're from Linden, New Jersey, but uh, what did you do in the States and what was, what was it like for you there? My husband and I were both chiropractors. So we had really crazy schedules, crazy, crazy. We would work 12 hours a day, six days a week, Sundays were paperwork days, so, you know, include that in, in, in the work schedule. And we really just realized that we were 
we probably would have spent the rest of our lives in that office. We would have spent another 30 years doing exactly the same thing if we didn't think of a plan to change. So my husband came up with this wacky idea. And um, I wish I could say there was a whole lot of planning involved and that we scattered things out. But back when we did it, there weren't a lot of things on the Internet about it. If there were, people said horrible things. It's one of the reasons why I thought I want to be nice to write about happy things because all you read is, is negative things. So we kind of just packed up two suitcases, sold everything and left. You know, there, there's, there's, there wasn't that much planning. And it's not, I don't necessarily recommend that. For people to just not plan. <laughs> well, we are we are definitely thankful to to you and others who have come back, and you've kind of done the research for us, so that you made our move a lot easier and a lot smoother because we knew a lot more of what to expect. So, to that, we we bow down and thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You know, what I've learned is that when somebody's negative about something, they write a whole lot about it. And when people are happy, you never hear from them. Exactly. Because they, they just think you're happy too mm -hmm. and you're doing happy things. So when I came here, my husband and I are like, well, this isn't anything like, like people are writing it to be. This is really crazy and fun and adventurous and romantic. And, and why don't we just concentrate on that part instead of just, you know, complaining about the small things. And that's pretty much how that whole project grew. Yeah. You, I don't know if you got the same kind of thing that, uh, you know, you, did uh, people think that you were going to be kidnapped by drug lords or that you wouldn't be able to get out of the country or, or Nicaragua was going to invade, you know, at any moment? <laughs> yes, that was my father. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> who, who still feels that <laughs> yeah. way. No, I mean, he, he lessened up a little bit, but I don't blame anybody for feeling that way. Because if you haven't been here and you haven't traveled to this area and, and your loved one is leaving, I understand where that comes from. I really do. But it wasn't true. And um, I'm still here. And since I haven't been kidnapped, everybody wants to come visit. So that's the that's the side of that story. Yeah, we can attribute those, those thoughts to our mothers uh, instead of the father. But yes, I think they're coming around, though. And yes, we've had lots of people talking about coming to visit. We're, we're still waiting on our first visitor. But they're trying to give us some time to settle in. And you want to be able to, you know, show them around a lot. You want to get a, a good idea of the area so when they do come, we'll say, okay, you're here for seven days. We're going to hit the ground running. We're going to go to Poez. We're going to go to Arenel. Mm -hmm. You know, you have it all all tied together perfectly. So when they come, they're going to have the best trip. Right. Now, have you gotten tired of going to all the different places, you know, for five, six, ten times uh, to show everybody? You know, I don't. And, and I think... You know, when we moved here, yeah, my husband is just such a funny guy. And he he's the, the, the perpetual optimist. You know, he just thinks everything will always work out. I can find a problem in anything, Dan. <laughs> like anything you give me, I can find a problem in. And when, he, when we got here, he said, we're just going to go everywhere. We're going to make up for all that time in the office. And we drove everywhere in the country, all the little small little dirt roads, uh, up mountains. I mean, Gracia, we went on every ridge, every little road. And I still have that enthusiasm. I still have that curiosity. I, I, I still enjoy bringing somebody to a beach here and seeing their eyes, you know, get so wide mm -hmm. and say, this is the most beautiful thing I've seen. And I right. get such joy in that. And, and that hasn't left. And and I don't know if that ever will or, or, you know, maybe this just boils down to just being a happier person, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, you know, going back to 
when you were um, a chiropractor and you and Rob were just pulling your hair out. Because I remember reading in your books where you guys were working seven days a week and, and you know, bringing stuff home at night and all that sort of thing. Uh, I know that had to be maddening for you. But, you know, what was it the, that was kind of the, the main thing that made you think about changing and just was it just strictly the workload or was it was it something else? I think, you know, our jobs were also physical. Being a chiropractor, just a physical thing. And honest to God, guys, I didn't know or even realize I was small. I'm only five feet tall and 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Why I chose chiropractic profession, <laughs> I don't know. Now in hindsight, you know, I, I don't know if that was the smartest thing. And just in terms of durability, yes. you know, on your body. So I was starting to get a lot of pain in my neck and my back for obvious reasons. It's, it's, it's a hard job. And so when you're constantly in pain, that brings you down. I'm treating people in pain. That's a sad thing, you know. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of emotions. And we love to travel. We love the excitement of going to a country and renting a scooter and just driving around and, and, that, and that enthusiasm never went away. So when my husband came up with the idea and I was so petrified, and I'm sure you guys were as well when you're yeah. really thinking about gosh, can we do this? Can we just just leave everything and the people we love? Mm-hmm. And it was until he was in the hospital, he got really ill. He's okay now. And he was, gosh, you know, I mean, isn't that horrible that I waited for him to get sick? That I said, no, you were right. Uh, we're going to do this. You're not going to be sick like this anymore. It was at that, it was so clear. It was like a beacon of light. I wasn't going to wait for him to have a heart attack or for some sad story. Because as a chiropractor, you know your body does not last. I treated people. They retired in their 60s. They weren't well enough to travel. They weren't well enough to go mm-hmm. in their RV across country. And that is the reality. You can't bank time. It's, it, it, you can't save it for later. So when, we, when I said, yeah, we're going to do it, and it was just we hit the ground running. It was really no planning. It was bam, 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 sell everything, two suitcases, cat and dog landing in a country, no nobody. It was it was pretty crazy. But for me, I think not planning was the best thing. I think I can outplan myself. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? I think yeah. I can think of a thousand things that'll go wrong. Uh-huh. And yeah. for me, the clean slate, just do it. It's almost like quitting smoking. I quit smoking in my 20s and it was cold turkey. That's how I had to do it. It wasn't lessening the cigarettes. It was, no, I'm quitting. So I'm kind of like that type of mentality. So in a way, that was the best thing for us. Yeah, I can I can identify with that in a, in a way. Um, like I said before, we I don't think we were petrified, but we were certainly nervous about it. Um, being able to read your book and and talk to you guys had definitely helped a lot. But yeah, Dan's Dan's not a jump in with both feet and no planning. He he's I call him the research king. Oh, see, Dan, my husband, on the other hand, he is now on the side of a ridge uh, tethered to a garden hose oh. going down a cliff. I mean, the man is like the exact, he doesn't <laughs> plan. He's like, oh, I need to get down this ridge. I'll just use a garden hose. I mean, yep. he doesn't plan anything. And yep. I am the planner. I like to kind of construct it and think and say, no, let's get rope. Yes. You know, right, but. Right. But that combination, if one of you is like that and one isn't, you balance each other out, right, you know? Right. And I think that's a good combination because heavens, I mean, could you imagine if I was going down a ridge in a, with a garden hose, that two of us would be stranded there forever. That's a bad move. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So if somebody has a little bit more of a planning mentality, perhaps that's that's better for a couple. 
Well, this sounds like it's uh, has the potential to be a new story for a new book. Yeah, well, yeah, I was surprised to see it, Cindy. You know, <laughs> I can't say I was particularly pleased to see him do that, but we're building this uh, bed and breakfast, and there's just a ton of hilarious stories involved in that, all in regard to him. So, so it it should be a fun book. Yeah, and we're we're definitely going to talk about that. You know, when you you talked about it being a very quick decision and in and out, and you were gone from the moment that you said, "Let's do it." to the time that you actually were on the plane doing it. How, how long was that? Well, let me think. It, it, we put his practice up for sale, which surprisingly sold in a week. Who saw that coming? Wow. Um, then my, yeah, I know, right? You see how some things seem like you're just meant to do it? Exactly. And then my practice sold not too long after that. And then our house sold. And then we were just homeless. <laughs> so like, so, you know, like, what do you do, Cindy, when you're, there you don't have you don't have your job you don't have your house yeah you hang out with your sister-in-law for six weeks that's what you do yeah you, you yeah okay or my parents for two weeks and I love them dearly but it was time to go yes. okay and and we did it and it was great and I remember being on that plane and, and my cat's under the sea and I am like this is nuts this is nuts this uh -huh. is nuts but it's but it's going to be really good or really bad. That's how we saw it. Really good or really bad. And um, it turned out really good. You know, we were, I, I think this probably is typical, but, you know, when you first make that decision, you're so very excited. You know, you have so many things to do, like sell the house, sell the stuff, you know, just tell people, make the rounds and everything. And then as you get a little bit closer, it's like reality hits and you go, oh, wow, we are moving to Costa Rica. What is it? Well, you have no choice, right? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> We're committed at that point. And so it's like, wow, this is uh, this is kind of crazy. But yeah, I, I have that. I understand that feeling uh, on the plane because as we were flying down there, I thought this is awesome. Oh, no. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think, you know, people often ask me how – you know, how did you really know? Like, what was that? What was that moment? Like you said before, and I said about my, my husband being in the hospital. And another thing that happened after that, once he got back home, was the risk of not doing it far outweighed the risk of doing it. And what I mean by that is I couldn't see myself in five years in that office knowing I could have done it. And looking back and saying, you know, I, I had the moment. I could have done it. I was brave enough to do it, and I didn't. I think it would have crushed me mm -hmm. to know that that door opened at one moment in my life. And, you know, as you get older, when you're in your 20s, you think you have every opportunity in right. the world. You know, you think you're <laughs> going to be a movie star and exactly. this and everything's possible. And as you get older, you realize when you have an opportunity, take it. Mm -hmm. They don't come twice a lot of times. So when you get a little older and a little smarter, when, when you see that opportunity happen, when you see the door open, you know, walk through. Right. Don't turn around. Just just go through and 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 you know let it fall where it may. After that, exactly. And and you know that's that's been our biggest thing is we decided that we just do not want to you know get eighty years old and then look back and have a bunch of regrets because that's just that's not the way we're going to do it. And we've just made that decision. And it and it really is a decision. It's not something that just happens. You have to actually make that decision. And I have, you know, I, I have regrets. I know I meet people say, oh, I, I live a life without regrets. I don't even know how that's possible. No, I, have a lot no. of, I have a lot of regrets. I right. never backpacked across Europe after college. I was saving up for chiropractic school. And I said to myself, well, you know, I'll have time to backpack <laughs> once I have a job. I mean, what was I thinking? Of course you can't backpack across <laughs> Europe when you have a job and a no. mortgage and a business loan and, and student loans and 
And I'm like, wow, I had that moment and I didn't take it. So I have these huge regrets in my life of things that I could have done and I didn't. And I mean, of course, it was smart to save the money for school, but that experience would have been wonderful. So just just like you said, you know, you don't want to be older and say, oh, you know, we could have done it and we didn't. So I, I see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, this we've we've also adopted that uh, mentality with our children, and because we don't want them to have that moment where they look back and say, "Oh, I had the opportunity to do that and I didn't." So, yeah, we have we have encouraged each and every one of them to, you know, if you've got a dream, reach for it and go for it. You have to be like that because ninety nine percent of the people are going to say no to you or say something negative to you or say you can't do it. That is just a fact of life. So if you think. The world's going to open their arms and say, yes, your dream is fabulous. You know, go for it. That, that's not reality. So if you can have that one person who believes in you, you know, the, 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 your parents or siblings or somebody that says, you know, just go for it. You know, it means a lot. And you really need that on your side because it, it's hard to find those moments when you're down, you know, of those words of encouragement from people you love that keep you going when you're just ready to give up. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you did tell everybody that you were getting ready to go to Costa Rica, was everybody very supportive and, and uh, saying, oh, yeah, that's fantastic? Or did you have maybe a couple people that might have been a little bit of a naysayer? Dan, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. It was like, think of the worst case scenario, okay? And that pretty much is what it was. It, my husband and I just paid off close to $200,000 in student loans, okay? So wow. yeah. That's not really the time you quit your job <laughs> after you've just done that, you know. So, right. so you know, it's they were so scared. My parents, you know, mm -hmm. they they saw us. We, we we had that practice ten years, and ten years is that magic number. You know, you read about it in the business books. Ten years—that's when your business starts to grow and mm -hmm. really blossoms, and and that's the, that's the year you work towards because after that, things are going to really get better, and, and you put in the work, and that's the exact time we quit. Yes. So if you're looking for encouragement, you know, <laughs> my, my, my parents weren't happy. My, my, my sister was just sad. I was leaving, you know, and I wasn't going to get to see her and the kids. And I understand all that. But honest to God, Dan, Cindy, I couldn't do another day. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It was, it was difficult work. I loved my patients, but the paperwork, the insurance, all of it, I I just didn't want to do it anymore. And how do you say that when you're 37? Mm -hmm. You don't, that's, that's not even allowed in the United States to say, oh, I just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, it's hard enough to say it at 55, which is when we quit our jobs. Uh, so I can't even imagine 37 going to my, my parents and saying, hey, guess what? I've quit my job and I'm moving to a foreign country. Oh, my gosh. I had such a discussion about the Sandinistas with my dad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, so... So, uh, but it, you know, it all worked out and it came from a good place from them. Other people, you know, I mean, people who didn't, you know, I, I, I could have not used their opinion, but everybody seemed to chime <laughs> in, you know, they said I'd be back in a year. Mm -hmm. I hated that one. I mm -hmm. hated when people said that. Cause that was just mean. Mm -hmm. You'll be back in a year. They say it like that. And I'm right. like, no, I can't be back because I just sold my practice in my house. So if I am back, I'm not going to be here. Yes. <laughs> so I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, not here. I might be back somewhere, but but not here. So I think it's normal. I think you're going to get that when you say you're moving here. But there's a point in your life where you just have to say, I know what's best for me and, right. and just be brave enough to do it. 
Yeah, you you just can't live for other people. Both Cindy and I are kind of people pleasers, and and you know we like to have other people pleased by what we do. And this is such a departure for us to go this direction. Uh, but we also know that we have to make the decision, and we have to do what's best for us, and live without at least this regret because. We've we've talked about this before, but you know we just don't want to we don't want to have a life of regrets, and so that's that's just part of it. So no, what's what's great now is that you are living now amongst all the crazy people who did the same decision. <laughs> so you're not crazy anymore. I, I know it's just it's normal population. now. Yeah, it's <laughs> normal. Like, you know, nobody like I, I live here and everybody did the same thing. So you're 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 amongst your your peers like you're just you're with your peeps around here yes. these are your people so so you don't feel as weird anymore they had the same dream they executed it and you get to share your stories with them yes and we're so excited now too when we meet someone new and they've been here less time than we have and we don't feel like such newbies yeah you know you could you could say no you gotta buy your peppers from the guy at the vendor all the way on the end he sells the pepper you know like yes. you have all that, that that little bit of knowledge that you share with with other expats and right. and you know all those little pieces all those tips really design your life the first year because you just rely on people saying where to go what to do you know and that kind of makes that whole first year the most fun i think mm-hmm. well and it's also a challenge since we don't know Spanish. Now we're in uh, Spanish classes now, but did you have any Spanish at all, any background at all, or did you come here just English only? Dan, <laughs> we came with just just not one plan of, of anything. I mean, no, <laughs> no Spanish. No, I mean, it was just, it's just hilarious what we did. So it was a slow process, and you know who picked it up faster? My husband. Hmm. And now he's at the work site. I go there. It's like an episode of what's that Spanish show? Sabados Gigantes. Oh. <laughs> like I go there. It's like it's like a novella. Like yada, 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 on the work site. <laughs> so he's great at un- hearing it and and understanding it. I can read it and I can say it. I have a harder time when they speak it back to me. But you just mm-hmm. keep practicing and you just get better and better and better. Right. You know we have um, we've noticed. Of course, we we knew very little past, you know, taco and burrito, and that's about the only thing we knew. But we have found that in those two months that we've been here that we're actually halfway able to pick up some things, and we have some sort of communication. And hopefully that the other person has a little bit of broken English and we have a little bit of broken Spanish, and we can somehow fit a conversation in. And what a great country to learn it in. The Ticos are so helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I... It's interesting to be in this position where you don't know the language. And I think that might be the best lesson I learned. So when you go back to the States, you're just kind to people who don't understand the language. You know, United States can be a little rough with people. You know, you have the learn the language kind of thing you hear Mm -hmm. a lot. And now when you're in a country and you don't understand and you're at the mercy of the kindness of strangers, I mean, between getting a driver's license, going to a hospital, I mean, you literally at mercy for Ticos who can explain things to you or talk slower or get a friend, you know, who knows English or something. So when you're on that end of it, you tend to, I don't know, I, I feel so differently now. Now when I go back home and you're, you're online at a store and somebody doesn't understand it, I'm, I'm, I'm there to, to try to help at least and not be judgmental, if, if that makes sense, because now I know how that feels. Absolutely. To, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting lesson to learn when you're living it. We found that 
I, I was in exact same position that you're talking about when I was in the States, it was, you know, Hey, you need to learn the language. Come on now. It's uh, and then I'm here. I have a whole different perspective. And so yeah, it's hard, right? It is very, it's very <laughs> difficult. And so, you know, I mean, just a simple transaction at the grocery store, it's uh, sometimes I know one time when uh, I was buying some apples, when I picked them up, there was like five, five for a thousand colonies or whatever. And I got up to the grocery store lane and, and the girl said, said something to me in Spanish and looked at me and I just look at her with wide that eyes. Look, I know what that look is. Yeah, we all have I, those I, looks. Yeah, I still have that look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, just a simple little buying apples just makes you appreciate being able to ha have some sort of communication. My husband had a hernia surgery here at Caja. So, I mean, if I think my Spanish is okay until you're in a facility that's using words that aren't on your list. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> you know you're used to apples, you know, shot, you know, all the, all uh -huh. the conversational Spanish. And now we're in this crazy world of medical terms. But there was always somebody who got a nurse that spoke English. You know what I mean? Or got a friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he was in the ward, it was funny. It was like mash. It was a little, little <laughs> not like the States. It, you know, I wrote about it in the book. There was uh -huh. some bad, some good. It all worked out good in the end. However, he was in this ward and it was all open and all these gurneys. And what was interesting is the family members come in and they bring the soap and, you know, they bring a lot of things for their loved ones. Yes. But what they also do is when you're out of the room, you know, when I'm not there, they're taking care of my husband, these family members. Wow. It's a collective community. Mm -hmm. Now, you now I remember thinking, wow, what if that was like the States? Like, what if when I was there with somebody that I love that I made sure the person next door was taken care of? when the nurses weren't there, you know, it's, it was a concept that didn't really ever occur to me, but if we collectively did something like that, it would make things a lot better. And I took that with me. I remember thinking, my gosh, when I leave him here, laying in here in pain, I know that somebody else will help him if he needs water or something. So that's a really nice thing about this country and that type of community of helping, even though you can't speak the language, and going out of their way to find somebody is something I'll always take with me, you know, where, wherever I go. It really opened up my heart to really just be a better and kinder person. We totally get that now. Um, you know, you you had spoken about the the people here and how wonderful and kind they were, but now that we've experienced it, we realize that when once you are a friend of a Tico or a local, that you're not just a friend; you're family. Yeah, they really, they really embrace you and they take you in and they help you. And every time, I know when you travel and, and maybe you get gypped here or somebody charged you more here and, and some people like to make that their defining experience. And that happens anywhere in your world. I went to Italy. I got gypped every single time I bought a gelato. I remember <laughs> my husband and I would count our change and we were always gypped like 50 cents or a quarter or whatever it is. But that's not a defining experience, you know? That's that's not the whole of an experience living in a foreign country. So I, I hate when people get stuck on small little particulars or they were here for two weeks and X, Y, Z happened. When you live in a different culture, in a new country, there's so many positive things to pay attention to and enjoy instead of worrying about small little nitpicky things, which happens anywhere you travel in the world. Yes, yeah, and and you know a perfect example of what you're talking about is just happened to me yesterday. I went to the bank to pay my rent, which I know is kind of weird, but we not to me. Yeah, well, yeah, 
to <laughs> other people it is, but <laughs> and then you also go to the grocery store to pay your utilities and yeah, pretty cool, and, right? That's actually is. a yeah, not a bad, not a bad thing. It's awesome, yeah. Um, but I walked into I walk into the bank, and mind you, I paid the rent one month ago, approximately, uh, to this same teller who was there. And I walk in, and I walk up to the teller, and he says, "Hola, Dan." He remembered <laughs> me, and I thought, "Wow, that is a, that's amazing." Because I have people that I, I've banked at uh, back in uh, Kansas uh, at a bank that I was at thirty some years, and they had no clue who I was. And you probably annoyed them, right? Like yes, you got that look. You know, yes, oh, exactly. Busy. Somebody else, another um, client. Yeah. Oh <laughs> another, no, I've got to take care of somebody. No, take care. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, see, that's great, right? Like those tiny little moments. They're just so, and they still happen to me, and I still love them, and uh, we we get them all the time. So when we moved here, we're like, wow, like what if we just lived the life where we concentrated on these happy moments right. instead of always focusing on negative things, which you can be drawn to. I almost think it's almost like a natural thing sometimes to complain, to to kind of look for the bad in things for some people. But if we concentrate on all the good that's happening. Maybe collectively our life would just expand and, and we'll just be happier people. And, you know, I mean, it, it sounds silly that that is the advice that we, you know, that, that we took and, and it happened. And it really did change our entire outlook on life. Now, you mentioned Rob earlier, and I know he's been a big part of the inspiration for your, for your books. And he has yes. lot, lots of great, great things that's happened to him <laughs> and you as a result of, of some of the things he's done. Just kind of give us a little bit of a, a rundown, if you can, about uh, how he's inspired some of your stories. Oh, my poor husband. I mean, really. <laughs> Could you imagine being married to somebody who wrote about you? He didn't even know I wrote about him in that first book. <laughs> he never read the book. Wow. And when we got on CNN, the, 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 we got CNN contacted us, and we had a whole write-up on CNN.com. I said, you really might want to read some of the stories because a lot involve you. <laughs> so, and, you know, you know, and, and, you know, Cindy, you're like, no, but I wrote you nice, you know, I'm saying those things. We're laughing with you, not at you, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he has a great <laughs> sense of humor, so he doesn't care. He's from Brooklyn. He, he's a tough guy. He grew up poor and he's tough. So, like, those type of things don't bother him. Yeah, but, he, um, I will vouch for it. He does have a great sense of humor. Oh, my gosh. He's such a funny guy. So he, he's reading them. He's like, oh, this is kind of funny. Yeah, I did these things. And they were, I guess they were kind of stupid. Now he looks at them. He's like, oh, that was kind of dumb. I did that. But, he has just, you know, he just thinks anything is possible. My husband goes into everything like this is all going to work out and this is possible and we're going to do it. And there's no filter there. He just goes gung-ho. And for me, who's so different, that stand back. And I just watch him. He's like a Broadway play, that guy. I can just stand <laughs> back and watch because the interactions are hilarious that he does. So I just started writing about it, and, and I mean, everything grew from there. And he still does ridiculous. He just rode away this morning on the scooter, has a flat tire. I'm like, you sure you should be on that thing? So I'm hoping <laughs> he calls me, you know? Yes. <laughs> gotta, you know, he's got to get on that garden hose. Yes, you know? yes. He's yeah, planting I mean, coconut trees. That's absolutely. I know. That's uh, pretty crazy. And, and, you know, your books are filled with fantastic stories about, you know, you guys as adventurers. And, and uh, some of the things that you've talked about was some of the run-ins that you had with some various wildlife. Um, you know, I know you've had some pretty funny moments. Is there is there one that kind of stands out to you? 
you know, I often say to people, like, everybody thinks, like, I'm a camper or something. <laughs> like, I did this. I'm from New Jersey. I grew up near a refinery, right. like a huge Exxon refinery. I don't know anything about wildlife. I never went camping. You know, I, I was, I don't ski. Like, I'm not that person. So Not outdoorsy. No, and my husband, you know, he brags that he rode a horse once in Brooklyn. How great of an experience <laughs> could that have possibly have been? Like, he's a cowboy in Oklahoma. Right. Like, Rob, it's Brooklyn. You're on the side of a highway. That's not like wildlife, you know? But we come here, and I, the first week was hilarious because I put my hair dryer down, and uh, a tarantula went in it, and I didn't know that. Oh. And when I turned it on... It caught on fire and all the charred pieces flew in my hair. Oh, no. That was the first week I was here. And, of course, I screamed. And my husband was like, whoa, what's the big deal? And he's pulling legs out of my hair and they're oh. all charred and burning. And the poor, oh. And oh. I'm like, where have I moved? I mean, honest to God, like, I've never saw a scorpion before. I've never been, like, infiltrated with an army of them, no less. So... That's how, that's just funny when you're when you're kind of like a cityish type person to experience mm -hmm. that, and then you live here long enough, you, now you just sweep them out the door. You know, oh, what's the big deal? Yeah, that's funny. And now I grew up in the country, but I still my, my mantra has always been my my idea of roughing it is having to stay in a Motel Six. So yeah, I'm, not the cam I'm not the camper either. Sometimes I feel like I'm sleeping on the ground here. Yeah. Like you mm -hmm. wake up and there's ants everywhere. It's in your house. <laughs> yes. It's like an army. It's like a military brigade. I'm like, what happened overnight? Why are they here? And then you realize they come in and then they go out, you know, like a half hour later, then they all march out. And, and that's just living in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. It sure is. You know, I'm, I'm really fascinated with the leaf cutters. Yeah, because oh yeah, yeah, isn't that yeah. fun? Yeah, watch them. Oh, it is. You know, I'll just I'll sit and just watch them, and they're so orderly, and everybody works, and I think they must work twenty four hours a day. I don't know. I love it uh, with the little leaves on their back, uh -huh. and then just carrying that little piece. It's I love macro photography too because of those things. You know, I could just walk around with that lens and just get real deep into a flower or, or the ground, and the things that you see here. And uh, the different types of, you know, ants and bugs and spiders, things that you've never seen before. It's, it's, it's like a playground. I call this Disney World for yeah. adults. Yes, exactly. Because it's, it's, it's really a lot of fun. Well, you know, that kind of leads me to thinking about, you know, what is uh, some of the, or what is the toughest and best part about living here in Costa Rica? The toughest and best part. I think the best part is... I didn't know I needed it until I got it, the nature and the wildlife. I wake up to monkeys in the trees, and that is just so spectacular, and that has never gotten old. To wake up to the howlers and, and the parrots and my, oh gosh, you know, it, it means so much to me to have that stillness and that peace and that mindfulness, and it's, that's how I start every single day. It's, it's almost like the important things here are almost smaller things. Yes, you know, we have these beautiful beaches and the ocean here and, and all these fun activities, but it's that those quiet moments in the morning when everything is just so perfect. And sometimes I think that's what I was looking for, and I didn't know I needed it. You know, there was a point in time in, in Pennsylvania, I was living outside a bus stop. So when you hear the buses come by in the morning... And yeah, I can't say it ever really bothered me, but I didn't realize that how peaceful it is. And I wonder, maybe that would have been like living in the country to wake up to the sounds of, you know, roosters and things like that. So that is always the most special part of living here. 
I, uh, the worst part. You know, I, I think for everybody, you miss your family. But now when you have Skype and FaceTime, it's different when you can see them. Right. Because uh, it, 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 that homesickness doesn't hit that much when you see them. And I think you're happy. And when they see that you're happy, that makes them happy. And you're more available to them. I feel really good that I'm more available to my family than I've ever been. Because I'm just a more peaceful, more calm person. So besides, you know, missing my family and missing certain moments, I mean, that's always hard when you live abroad. But other than that, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed that things have been really good for us here. And we're finding that very same thing out is that we're appreciating the little things a lot more. And um, because we don't have the things that we did in the States, uh, we've, you know, we decided to give up. We, we don't have a car. And mm-hmm. we've we just decided to give up a lot of things, and uh, we really don't miss them. And so it's it's really been a very nice thing for to, that has happened to us. I think paring down, you know, when you strip a lot of things away, and it and it it's really kind of almost like an all or nothing thing when you move abroad, unless you you know you have your container and you're able to take some things with you. But if you didn't do that, and it's all or nothing, you're kind of starting out with your back to a corner, so you can only move forward. So either you're going to move forward miserable or you're going to move forward grateful and happy. And some days it's better than others. But if you try to stay in a certain direction, then you realize this is really all blessings and there's really a lot of happy moments here. I think that some people, maybe this isn't the right decision for them. And I don't blame them. I mean, this isn't the easiest thing to do in the world. And there's there, there can be lonely times here. and Maybe it doesn't work out for some people. So I really don't blame them if it doesn't. But you really need to, to try to really get yourself out of the funk and really try to maintain a, a sense of happiness and gratitude because then this experience is just going to get better and better. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. Going back to your container thing, I think that was one of the reasons why we decided to sell everything and not bring a container is because we did want to make a clean break with that type of lifestyle and embrace the new lifestyle here. Yeah, those choices are... You know, they're individual and they're personal, and I can see why people would want to have their things. I mean, I'm telling you, I would really like an affordable slow cooker that's not like $500,000. <laughs> you know, like yeah, <laughs> you know. see appliances here, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I could get that for $19.99 in the States. Exactly. You know, so those things, you know, people ask me, if I, if I bought a container, what would you say to bring them? Like, you know, appliances, trust me, just get your coffee maker and all that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. But short of that, when you don't have it, you know, then you're making coffee the old-fashioned way, you know? Right. You got, like, a thing, you're pouring hot water in there, and then you're making things, you know, a, a, a little old-fashioned, like a boiling beans instead of having a slow cooker, or whatever it may be. When you don't have it, you make do, and you realize, oh, it wasn't the biggest deal that I don't yeah. have it anyway. You know, I look at all the appliances that we had, and they're all so highly specialized that you didn't have to do anything by scratch or for, on scratch at all. And now you have to be a little bit more creative and, and um, you know, use your brain a little bit more. I remember when I was looking for buttermilk and I couldn't find it for some reason at the store here. And I was, I was like, oh, but I need buttermilk. And Tico was like, you just put like vinegar with milk. What's wrong with you? Make right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, duh. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, you can do that? And you have these aha moments and you feel so silly. Like, oh, okay, you know, so you're absolutely right. You, you learn the basic ways of doing things. Well, you know, you've written bestseller books, you know, you have a blog, you're very well known here. And I, w- I would really like to know what 
inspired you to become a writer? I, I always wrote. I wrote a couple books before that that are sitting in my drawer <laughs> under socks and should stay there probably because they <laughs> probably are really bad. But um, I always wrote and took classes in college. I mean, I, I always wrote. It was always something that I did. So I think it was just natural. I mean, for me to do it, it was just, it's as natural as anything. My happiest thing to do is sit and write. It's what I do during the day. It's what I like to do in the morning. I don't know. It's kind of like part of me. It's just like, I guess, a painter, you know, they just paint and that's just what they do. So I think it was a natural progression to, I I didn't particularly want to write anything funny. It just turned out that way. Because how do you not write something funny when your husband blasts uh, bullets into the, your water pipes of your house? I mean, it's <laughs> yes. like when that happens, I mean, you, have, you just got to say it like it is. And that's what he did. So uh, so that that's how that came out. It was just natural. I mean, just being married to Rob, you know, it's just it's like a carnival. Yeah, the beautiful thing is you don't have to make anything up. No, he constantly delivers that guy. <laughs> don't need, you don't need any kind of extra writers to come up with anything. You just write what you see. You know, I always wanted to marry a funny guy, and I, and I, and I got my wish. And there's a lot that gets wrapped up in that, though, yes. over the years when, when it's a funny guy. So, so that's how the writing came about. And I, I've been really blessed, and I've been and, uh, blessed and lucky, and, and um, it's been great. You know, you also have a cooking channel that's on YouTube. It's called Building Up an Appetite. And it looks like you really have a lot of fun on that. What uh, what inspired that and, and uh, what's your plans moving forward? That was my husband's idea. When we did, we did this um, piece called Expats. Jimmy Buffett's daughter came and interviewed us and did this little piece for TV. And we had so much fun on it. And we're like, well, you know, maybe we can do this. So because of the popularity of the books, a lot of resorts know who we are already. So we can go up and pitch them an idea and kind of, you know, come up with a framework of the show. And it's it's just fun. I mean, it, I feel like we're the little rascals half the time. It's like <laughs> you just bounce up to, you know, and of course Rob bounces up. I mean, there's not a lot of planning involved in a lot of this. He just kind of shows up and he does his pitch and. Makes and he's sense. such a funny, yeah, he's just such a funny guy. And then, and then next thing you know, you know, we're, we're filming and we're having fun and we're telling people stories. And it's really all just to have fun with the people and highlight what they do. And now that we're building this bed and breakfast, we'll probably hone in a little bit with that. We're going to do a show about that. And, you know, anything that brings us joy and is fun to do. I think that once we hit things and we just don't like to do it, we stop. So as long as it's fun and everybody's having a good time, you know, we'll just keep doing it. The fun part about it is that, uh, you know, you were stuck before in in being a chiropractor and that was the one thing you did and you did it seven days a week. And now you have the opportunity. And that's something that we found, too, is that we now have the opportunity to do other things. We can express ourselves a little bit more. We can we have more time to try different things. And so it's it's just fun. It's just, we have a good time. It really is. I mean, if you saw the outtakes of these shows, it's like Rob on a horse with a bunch of cameras trying to film (laughs) me. I mean, it's all just so run and gun, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do, Rob. No, I got to get the shot, you know? And and it's it's funny that we're at this place, you know? I I used to treat people, you know, I used to treat their backs and their shoulders and their knees. and, And now I'm in the jungle on a horseback, you know, filming things and spheres in the jungle. And, and I think, how did I get here? This is so great. And it's so much fun. 
And um, as long as it keeps being that, then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Well, you know, you've got, you've had books, you write a blog, YouTube channels, lots of stuff. And now, in, I guess in just in your free time, you're uh, decided to take on a B&B project. What, what's that all about? Well, that's my husband's idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> it's on him. You know, yeah, you know, he just wakes up one morning and he goes, you know what'll work? Like, what, honey? I'm thinking, you know, we're going on a trip or something to Monte Verde. He's like, why don't we open a B&B? So we, we only had enough, you know, we weren't retired when we moved here. You know, I wish we were. That would have made things a little easier. So we always knew we needed uh, an income coming in. And we gave ourselves eight years to be here. So we're like, well, figure something out. And, you know, the writing, and that was good. But we really need to come, uh, we had to come up with a really good concrete plan. And he came up with this idea, and I just couldn't fight him on it. You know, Dan, like, it's just like, I couldn't come up with the thousand reasons we shouldn't, like I did with Costa Rica in general when <laughs> yes. we first started that. So I was like, well, you think we could do it? And, and we kind of worked out the particulars. And I don't mind renting, but it's been eight years of renting, and I need something a little more permanent right now. Mm. And it couldn't be that and not a business. It just couldn't be. We don't, we don't have the funds for that. So we came up with this idea and so far so good. And I'm, I'm planning maybe next year it'll open up. I don't know. It depends how long he's hanging on that ridge with the garden hose, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting. And it's something I've never done before. I don't know anything about the hospitality business or how to get started or what to do, but I'll learn it. And I think that it's going to be a really great adventure for me. Well, and along that line, my, my offer for us to come and let you try it out on us. Oh, try stands. out the, the ocean view, the, the big pool. Try it out. See if the water is just the right temperature, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> that pool you were, you were building looks awesome. So it oh looks my like it would be fun. That, uh, my husband is ridiculous. You know, I think there's a problem because you're building in meters, but, you know, we know feet. So yes. there's always these issues in regards to conversion. Uh -huh. So I show up and it's like, it's like built from Michael Phelps. I'm like, Rob, yes. what? it's like just, it's like a meteor hit the earth. I'm like, what? Did you, why is it so big? And he's like, honey, I just got away from me, I think. So, so, you know, we, we try like, oh my gosh. So we made a third of it a little more shallow and stuff, but Oh my gosh! I mean, we're building a house in a different language, in a different measurement system. And I mean, it's just so many things that are, are a challenge. But we're going to see it through, you know. Or at the very least, I'm going to have a floor and a roof. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen pictures. You've got those, at least. Yeah, we got those, and a, and a big gaping hole in the ground. Yes. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> the master suite. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a start, and you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, the uh, one of the biggest terms around here is Pura Vida, and it means something a little bit different to everybody, but generally it's kind of the same thing. But what I really like to know from people, what is it that, it, that Pura Vida means to you specifically? Joy. Joy. I think once you feel it, you know what that is. I think it's different than happiness. Mm -hmm. I think when you have joy, that's like... It's like fireworks, <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, the, when you feel it, 
it's like the when you're riding home at night and something really good happened and you're looking at each other and you're like, wow, that was pretty amazing. I think that's Pura Vida. It's a life full of joy. It's full of gratitude. It's, 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 you know, that this is the right place to be. I wish I could have felt that when I was working back in the States. I'm in some regards, I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't, I, you know, maybe I should have worked a little harder in regards to those things. But now that I have it and I feel it, I never want to let it go. And with the simplicity of the life and everything, and, um, and you can make it as, as simple or as difficult as you want here, but the, ability for simplicity is right there for us. And I think also good for people is live someplace that your electric goes out all the time. <laughs> because you don't really care what your cousin did 30 years ago when she didn't show up to your event, Bob. Like those things just don't matter right. anymore. You right. don't have electricity or your water's out and you want water and it keeps things, it keeps you so focused on what's important. You don't have time to worry about these little nitpicky things, you know, that sometimes we tend to do. It's like, no, I just want my utility. Like, it would be nice. I want to cook supper. So I (laughs) think those things are good for somebody who has a brain that's kind of all over the place and and is always thinking and attaching themselves to the past or the future. When literally you just want to get through your day and you want electricity, I think that's a great place to start on your search for joy. I think that's, that's a great starting point. Yeah, and I think you you nailed it when you said there's a difference between happiness and joy. And this is a really good place to to find your joy, for sure. Well, I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm really glad that you're here and you have this podcast. You get to tell all these other people, you know, the stories of expats and why we did it and what we like and what we don't like. And if it's right for them, because, you know, it's a big decision. And like I tell people, you don't even have to do it. I'm a big armchair traveler. I love to pick up a book and just reading about people's experiences. And sometimes that's good enough to just uh, tag along with somebody for the ride. Well, you know, for those people who are considering, and it could be Costa Rica, it could be somewhere else, but what would you, what kind of advice would you give? Well, let's say just specifically for Costa Rica, what what advice would you give to people who are considering moving here? What advice would I give? Oh boy, you know, my advice is so wacky the way we did it. <laughs> you know, do, do I advise people to just get on the plane and go? I, I, I don't know. I, you know what? I'm not going to give anybody advice. I don't, I'm not going to give any advice. I'm going to let them, you know, do it and and make their own stories and, and have their own experiences. Um, the way I did it was different. The way you did it, the way you did it was different than other expats. And there's no right or wrong way. I think that it depends on the type of person you are and to just, you know, live life and and, and not have somebody tell you how to do it. Maybe that's good advice, right? Don't take advice. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the best advice is no advice at all. Absolutely. We're going rogue here. We're going rogue here. I can just see that now getting legs. No, no advice. I'm happier than the billionaire. (laughs) Yes. It makes perfect sense, though. You know, everybody needs to kind of find their own path. And so it's, you learn a lot more by doing it yourself than having somebody telling you how to do it. Travel's dicey. You know, everybody has an opinion about travel. You know, I've never had kids, but I, 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 I think maybe that's like when you're a new mother. Everybody's telling you how to, you know, what you're supposed to do with your babies. When you travel, everybody's telling you how to do it, where to go, where to eat, what to do. And I, I actually wrote a blog post about the difference between living and being a tourist. And at the end of the blog, I wrote, I like feeling like a tourist, even though I'm a resident here. There's nothing wrong to feel like a tourist. People come and they're like, I want to live like a local. Live like a tourist. Tourists are fun. They want to have a right. good time. 
They want exactly. to swim and go on excursions and, and and be carefree. And and when we started this interview, you know, I said I still feel like that. I I still feel that excitement of being a tourist and seeing something new. And and uh, I think that that's great because because when you're a tourist, you don't necessarily need all the advice in the world. You just just you just go and you have fun, and that's how you should approach the situation. Well, Nadine, we have thoroughly enjoyed being able to talk with you, and it's it's fantastic to be able to do so. You know, we feel like we've already been friends for a long time, even though we haven't actually physically met, but we've sure had a lot of Facebook messages back and forth and lots of fun and having a good time. And so we really appreciate you being here on the show. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I can only wish you all the success in the world, and I hope your electricity stays on today. That's my party. <laughs> Words. Well, absolutely. <laughs> well, hey, if somebody wants to know more about you or the Happier Than the Billionaire Empire, what's the best way for them to get to ho- get a hold of you and get in contact? The Empire, I love yes. that. That's great. Yes, yes. Oh, you can wow. use that. Uh, uh, I, I'm on my books, Happier Than the Billionaire. It's on Amazon or iBooks or Kobo or Barnes and Noble. And if you punch in happierbillionaire.com, there's my blog and my. Uh, but YouTube is, you can punch in Happier Than the Billionaire, but it's, the channel is actually called Happier With Less. And that's my husband and I goofing around, going all over Costa Rica and just having fun and talking to a bunch of different expats. So I hope you come and join me. Well, I know that I've all I've done was just go to Google and just either put in your name or put in Happier Than a Billionaire. And there are page after page of things that come up, and you can kind of take your pick. So my dad does uh, that, by the way. He, he, oh, does he? <laughs> my dad googles me and sends me really wacky things sometimes. That's, that's oh, yeah. his job over there. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't go on. I never Google and put it in. I'm afraid to see what comes up. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to know anything about me, just put Nadine Paisanian or Happy and the Billionaire, and you'll find lots of fun stuff. Well, as a listener, uh, you can get all the show notes with links to Nadine and her website. Just go to 82degreequest.com and just do a search for Nadine Hayes-Bassani. And Nadine, we really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on the 82 Degree Quest podcast. We want to say thank you so much for listening to the show by giving you a free gift. Just go to 82degreequest.com slash podcast VIP and get access to our special report. 10 reasons why it's easier than you think to move to Costa Rica. That's 82degreequest.com slash podcast VIP. Thank you so much for joining us today on the 82 Degree Quest show. Head on over to 82degreequest.com for full recaps of every show, blog articles, and resources you can use. Remember, living your dream is possible. All you have to do is take the very first step. Thanks again. I'm Dan Gaskell with Cindy Gaskell saying, we'll catch you next time. Oh,